When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear The Jumblies They went to sea in a sieve they did, in a sieve they went to sea, in spite of all their friends could say, on a winter's morn, on a stormy day, in a sieve they went to sea. And when the sieve turned round and round, and every one cried, You'll all be drowned, they cried aloud, our sieve ain't big, but we don't care a button, we don't care a fig. In a sieve we'll go to sea. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green, and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. They sailed away in a sieve, they did. In a sieve they sailed so fast with only a beautiful pea-green veil, tied with a ribbon by way of a sail, to a small tobacco-pipe mast. And every one said, who saw them go, Oh, won't they be soon upset, you know? For the sky is dark, and the voyage is long, and happen what may, it's extremely wrong, in a sieve to sail so fast. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live, their heads are green, and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. The water it soon came in, it did, the water it soon came in. So to keep them dry they wrapped their feet in a pinky paper all folded neat, and they fastened it down with a pin, and they passed the night in a crockery jar, and each of them said, How wise we are! Though the sky be dark and the voyage long, yet we never can think we were rash or wrong, while round in our sieve we spin. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. And all night long they sailed away, and when the sun went down, they whistled and warbled a moony song to the echoing sound of a coppery gong in the shade of the mountains brown. Oh, Timbello, how happy we are when we live in a sieve in a crockery jar, and all night long in the moonlight pale we sail away with a pea-green sail in the shade of the mountains brown. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. They sailed to the western sea, they did, to a land all covered with trees. And they bought an owl and a useful cart, 
and a pound of rice and a cranberry tart and a hive of silvery bees. And they bought a pig and some green jackdaws and a lovely monkey with lollipop paws and forty bottles of rainbow ree and no end of stilton cheese. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. And in twenty years they all came back, in twenty years or more, and everyone said, How tall they've grown, for they've been to the lakes and the terrible zone and the hills of the chankly boar. And they drank their health and gave them a feast of dumplings made of beautiful yeast. And everyone said, If we only live, we too will go to sea in a sieve to the hills of the Chankly Boar. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the Jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. End of the Jumblies Chapter Two of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Owl and the Pussy Cat. The Owl and the Pussy Cat went to sea in a beautiful pea green boat. They took some honey and plenty of money wrapped up in a five pound note. The owl looked up to the stars above and sang to a small guitar. Oh, lovely pussy, oh, pussy, my love, what a beautiful pussy you are, you are, you are, what a beautiful pussy you are. Pussy said to the owl, you elegant fowl, how charmingly sweet you sing. Oh, let us be married, too long have we tarried, but what shall we do for a ring? They sailed away for a year and a day to the land where the bong-tree grows, and there in a wood a piggy-wig stood, with a ring at the end of his nose, his nose, his nose, with a ring at the end of his nose. "'Dear pig, are you willing to sell for one shilling your ring?' said the piggy. "'I will.' So they took it away and were married next day by the turkey who lives on the hill. They dined on mince and slices of quince, which they ate with a runcible spoon, and hand in hand on the edge of the sand they danced by the light of the moon, the moon, the moon, they danced by the light of the moon. End of The Owl and the Pussycat Chapter Three of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Broom, the Shovel, the Poker, and the Tongs. The Broom and the Shovel, the Poker and Tongs, they all took a drive in the park. And they each sang a song, ding a dong, ding a dong, before they went back in the dark. Mr. Poker, he sat quite upright in the coach. Mr. Tongs made a clatter and clash. Miss Shovel was dressed all in black with a brooch. Mrs. Broom was in blue with a sash. Ding-a-dong, ding-a-dong, and they all sang a song. Oh, Shovely, so lovely, the Poker he sang. 
You have perfectly conquered my heart. Ding-a-dong, ding-a-dong, if you're pleased with my song, I will feed you with cold apple tart. When you scrape up the coals with a delicate sound, You enrapture my life with delight. Your nose is so shiny, your head is so round, And your shape is so slender and bright. Ding-a-dong, ding-a-dong, ain't you pleased with my song? Alas, Mrs. Broom sighed the tongs in his song. Oh, is it because I'm so thin, and my legs are so long, ding-a-dong, ding-a-dong, that you don't care about me a pin? Ah, fairest of creatures, when sweeping the room, ah, why don't you heed my complaint? Must you needs be so cruel, you beautiful broom, because you are covered with paint? Ding-a-dong, ding-a-dong, you are certainly wrong. Mrs. Broom and Miss Shovel together they sang. What nonsense you're singing today, said the shovel. I'll certainly hit you a bang, said the broom, and I'll sweep you away. So the coachman drove homeward as fast as he could, perceiving their anger with pain. But they put on the kettle, and little by little they all became happy again. Ding-a-dong, ding-a-dong, that's the end of my song. End of the broom, the shovel, the pokers, and the tongs. Chapter 4 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Duck and the Kangaroo Said the duck to the kangaroo, Good gracious, how you hop! Over the fields and the water, too, As if you never would stop. My life is a bore in this nasty pond, And I long to go out in the world beyond. I wish I could hop like you, Said the duck to the kangaroo. Please give me a ride on your back, Said the duck to the kangaroo. I would sit quite still and say nothing but quack, the hold of the long day through. And we'd go to the Dee and the jelly Lee, Over the land and over the sea, Please take me a ride, oh do, Said the duck to the kangaroo. Said the kangaroo to the duck, This requires some little reflection. Perhaps on the whole it might bring me luck, And there seems but one objection, Which is, if you let me speak so bold, your feet are unpleasantly wet and cold, And would probably give me the rue, Matiz said the kangaroo. Said the duck, as I sat on the rocks, I have thought over that completely, And I bought four pairs of worsted socks, Which fit my web feet neatly. And to keep out the cold I've bought a cloak, And every day a cigar I'll smoke, All to follow my own dear true love of a kangaroo. Said the kangaroo, I'm ready, all in the moonlight pale, But to balance me well, dear duck, sit steady, And quite at the end of my tail. So away they went with a hop and a bound, And they hopped the whole world three times round. And who so happy, oh who, as the duck and the kangaroo? End of The Duck and the Kangaroo
Chapter 5 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Cumberbun, an Indian poem. She sat upon her doby to watch the evening star, and all the punkas as they passed cried, My, how fair you are! Around her bower with quivering leaves the tall camsamas grew, and kitmugars in wild festoons hung down from Tushkis blue. Below her home the river rolled with soft melobious sound, where golden-finned chuprasis swam in myriads circling round. Above on tallest trees remote, green ayahs perched alone, and all night long the musak moaned its melancholy tone. And where the purple nullahs threw their branches far and wide, and silvery goriwalas flew in silence side by side, the little beastie's twittering cry rose on the fragrant air, and off the angry jampan howled deep in his hateful lair. She sat upon her doby, she heard the nimnock hum, when all at once a cry arose. The Cumberbun is come. In vain she fled. With open jaws the angry monster followed. And so, before assistant came, that fair lady was swallowed. They sought in vain for even a bone respectfully to bury. They said hers was a dreadful fate. And Echo answered, Very. They nailed her doby to the wall where last her form was seen. And underneath they wrote these words in yellow, blue, and green. Beware, ye fair, ye fair, beware, nor sit out late at night, lest horrid cumberbuns should come and swallow you outright. End of the Cumberbun Chapter 6 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Dong with a Luminous Nose When awful darkness and silence reign over the great Grambulian plain, through the long, long wintry nights, when the angry breakers roar as they beat on the rocky shore, when storm clouds brood on the towering heights of the hills of the Chankly Boar. Then through the vast and gloomy dark there moves what seems a fiery spark, a lonely spark with silvery rays piercing the coal-black night, a meteor strange and bright. Hither and thither the vision strays, a single lurid light. Slowly it wanders, pauses, creeps, anon it sparkles, flashes, and leaps. And ever as onward a gleaming goes, a light on the bong-tree stems it throws. And those who watch at that midnight hour, from hall or terrace or lofty tower, cry as the wild light passes along, The dong, the dong, the wandering dong through the forest goes, The dong, the dong, the dong with a luminous nose. Long years ago the dong was happy and gay, 
till he fell in love with a jumbly girl who came to those shores one day. For the jumblies came in a sieve, they did, landing at eve near the Zemmery Fid, where the oblong oysters grow, and the rocks are smooth and gray. And all the woods and the valleys rang with the chorus they daily and nightly sang. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. Happily, happily passed those days, while the cheerful jumblies stayed. They danced in circlets all night long to the plaintive pipe of the lively dong. In moonlight, shine or shade, for day and night he was always there, by the side of the jumbly girl so fair, with her sky-blue hands and her sea-green hair. Till the morning came of that fateful day when the jumbly sailed in their sieve away. And the dong was left on the cruel shore, gazing, gazing for evermore, ever keeping his weary eyes on that pea-green sail on the far horizon, singing the jumbly chorus still, as he sat all day on the grassy hill, far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live, their heads are green and their hands are blue and they went to sea in a sieve. But when the sun was low in the west, the dong arose and said, What little sense I once possessed has gone quite out of my head. And since that day he wanders still, by lake and forest, marsh and hill, singing, Oh, somewhere in valley or plain might I find my jumbly girl again. Forever I'll seek by lake and shore till I find my jumbly girl once more. Playing a pipe with silvery squeaks, since then his jumbly girl he seeks. And because by night he could not see, he gathered the bark of the twangum tree on the flowery plain that grows, and he wove him a wondrous nose, a nose as strange as a nose could be, of vast proportions and painted red, and tied with cords to the back of his head. In a hollow rounded space it ended, with a luminous lamp within suspended, all fenced about with a bandage stout to prevent the wind from blowing it out, and with holes all round to send the light in gleaming rays on the dismal night. And now each night and all night long over those plains still roams the dong, and above the wail of the chimp and snipe you may hear the squeak of his plaintive pipe. While ever he seeks, but seeks in vain, to meet with his jumbly girl again, lonely and wild all night he goes, the dong with a luminous nose. And all who watch at the midnight hour, from hall or terrace or lofty tower, cry as they trace the meteor bright, moving along through the dreary night. This is the hour when forth he goes, the dong with a luminous nose. Yonder, over the plain he goes, he goes, he goes, the dong with a luminous nose. End of The Dong with a Luminous Nose
Chapter Seven of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The New Vestments. There lived an old man in the kingdom of Tess who invented a purely original dress, and when it was perfectly made and complete, he opened the door and walked into the street. By way of a hat, he'd a loaf of brown bread, in the middle of which he inserted his head. His shirt was made up of no end of dead mice, the warmth of whose skins was quite fluffy and nice. His drawers were of rabbit skins, so were his shoes. His stockings were skins, but it is not known whose. His waistcoat and trousers were made of pork chops. His buttons were jujubes with chocolate drops. His coat was all pancakes with jam for a border, and a girdle of biscuits to keep it in order. And he wore over all as a screen from bad weather a cloak of green cabbage leaves stitched all together. He had walked a short way when he heard a great noise of all sorts of beasticles, birdlings, and boys, and from every long street and dark lane in the town Beasts, birdles, and boys in a tumult rushed down. Two cows and a calf ate his cabbage-leaf cloak. Four apes seized his girdle, which vanished like smoke. Three kids ate up half of his pancakey coat, and the tails were devoured by an ancient he-goat. An army of dogs in a twinkling tore up his pork waistcoat and trousers to give to their puppies. And while they were growling and mumbling the chops, ten boys prigged the jujubes and chocolate drops. He tried to run back to his house, but in vain, for scores of fat pigs came again and again. They rushed out of stables and hovels and doors. They tore off his stockings, his shoes, and his drawers. And now from the housetops with screechings descend, striped, spotted, white, black, and gray cats without end. They jumped on his shoulders and knocked off his hat. When crows, ducks, and hens made a mincemeat of that, they speedily flew at his sleeves in a trice, and utterly tore up his shirt of dead mice. They swallowed the last of his shirt with a squall, whereupon he ran home with no clothes on at all. And he said to himself, as he bolted the door, I shall not wear a similar dress any more, any more, any more, any more, never more. End of The New Vestments Chapter 8 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Calico Pie Calico pie, the little birds fly down to the calico tree. Their wings were blue, and they sang tilly-loo, till away they flew, and they never came back to me. They never came back, they never came back, they never came back to me. Calico jam, the little fish swam over the syllabub sea. He took off his hat to the sole and the sprat and the willoughby wet. But he never came back to me. He never came back. He never came back. He never came back to me. 
Calico ban, the little mice ran, to be ready in time for tea. Flippity-flop, they drank it all up, and danced in the cup. But they never came back to me, they never came back, they never came back, they never came back to me. Calico drum, the grasshoppers come, the butterfly, beetle, and bee, over the ground, around and around, with a hop and a bound. But they never came back, they never came back, they never came back to me. End of Calico Pie Chapter 9 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Courtship of the Yongi Bongi Bo On the coast of Coromandel, where the early pumpkins grow, in the middle of the woods lived the Yongi Bongi Bo. Two old chairs and half a candle, one old jug without a handle, these were all his worldly goods. In the middle of the woods they were all the worldly goods. Of the Yongi Bongi Bo, of the Yongi Bongi Bo. Once, among the bong trees walking where the early pumpkins grow, to a little heap of stones came the Yongi Bongi Bo. There he heard a lady talking to some milk white hens of Dorking. Tis the Lady Jingly Jones, on that little heap of stones sits the Lady Jingly Jones, said the Yongi Bongi Bo said the Yongi Bongi Bo. Lady Jingly, Lady Jingly, sitting where the pumpkins grow, will you come and be my wife? said the Yongi Bongi Bo. I am tired of living singly, on this coast so wild and shingly. I am a-weary of my life, if you'll come and be my wife, quite serene would be my life, said the Yongi Bongi Bo, said the Yongi Bongi Bo. On this coast of Coromandel shrimps and watercresses grow. Prawns are plentiful and cheap, said the Yongi Bongi Bo. You shall have my chairs and candle, and my jug without a handle. Gaze upon the rolling deep. Fish is plentiful and cheap, as the sea my love is deep, said the Yongi Bongi Bo, said the Yongi Bongi Bo. Lady Jingly answered sadly, and her tears began to flow. Your proposal comes too late, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo. I would be your wife most gladly, here she twirled her fingers madly, but in England I've a mate. Yes, you've asked me far too late, for in England I've a mate, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo. Mr. Jones, his name is Handel, Handel Jones, Esquire and Co., Dorking fowls delights to send, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo. Keep, oh, I keep your chairs and candle, and your jug without a handle. I can merely be your friend. Should my Jones more Dorking send, I will give you three, my friend, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo. Though you've such a tiny body, and your head so large doth grow, Though your hat may blow away, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo, Though you're such a body dotty, yet I wish that I could moddy Fie the words I need must say. 
Will you please to go away? That is all I have to say, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo, Mr. Yongi Bongi Bo. Down the slippery slopes of myrtle, where the early pumpkins grow, to the calm and silent sea fled the Yongi Bongi Bo. There beyond the bay of Girtle lay a large and lively turtle. You're the cove, he said for me, on your back beyond the sea, turtle, you shall carry me, said the Yongi Bongi Bo, said the Yongi Bongi Bo. Through the silent roaring ocean did the turtle swiftly go, holding fast upon his shell rode the Yongi Bongi Bo. With a sad primeval motion toward the sunset isles of Boshan, still the turtle bore him well, holding fast upon his shell. Lady Jingly Jones, farewell, sang the Yongi Bongi Bo, sang the Yongi Bongi Bo. From the coast of Coromandel did that lady never go. On that heap of stones she mourns for the Yongi Bongi Bo. On that coast of Coromandel, in his jug without a handle, still she weeps and daily moans on that little heap of stones. To her darking hens she moans for the Yongi Bongi Bo, for the Yongi Bongi Bo. End of The Courtship of the Yongi Bongi Bo Chapter 10 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Incidents in the Life of My Uncle Arley. Oh, my aged Uncle Arley, sitting on a heap of barley, through the silent hours of night, close beside a leafy thicket, on his nose there was a cricket, in his hat a railway ticket but his shoes were far too tight. Long ago in youth he squandered all his goods away and wandered to the tennis-coop hills afar. There on golden sunsets blazing every evening found him gazing, singing, Orb, you're quite amazing, how I wonder what you are. Like the ancient Medes and Persians, always by his own exertions he subsisted on those hills, whiles by teaching children spelling, or at times by merely yelling, or at intervals by selling Propter's Nicodemus pills. Later in his morning rambles he perceived the moving brambles, something square and white disclose. Twas a first-class railway ticket, but on stooping down to pick it, off the ground a pea-green cricket settled on my uncle's nose. Never, never more, oh, never did that cricket leave him ever, dawn or evening, day or night, clinging as a constant treasure, chirping with a cheeriest measure wholly to my uncle's pleasure, though his shoes were far too tight. So for three and forty winters till his shoes were worn to splinters. All those hills he wandered o'er, sometimes silent, sometimes yelling, till he came to Barley Melling, near his old ancestral dwelling. But his shoes were far too tight. On a little heap of barley died my aged Uncle Orley. 
and they buried him one night close beside the leafy thicket, there his hat and railway ticket, there his ever-faithful cricket, but his shoes were far too tight. End of Incidents in the Life of My Uncle Arley End of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear These poems read by Phil Chenevere, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in November of 2012. Chapter 11 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nonsense Limericks. There was an old man on a hill who seldom, if ever, stood still. He ran up and down in his grandmother's gown, which adorned that old man on a hill. There was an old man in a pew whose waistcoat was spotted with blue, but he tore it in pieces to give to his nieces, that cheerful old man in a pew. There was an old man with a nose who said, if you choose to suppose, that my nose is too long, you are certainly wrong, that remarkable man with a nose. There was an old man on some rocks who shut up his wife in a box. When she said, Let me out, he exclaimed, Without doubt, you will pass all your life in that box. There was an old person of Reims who was troubled with horrible dreams. So to keep him awake they fed him with cake, which amused that old person of Reims. There was an old man of Kilkenny who never had more than a penny. He spent all his money in onions and honey, that wavered old man of Kilkenny. There was an old man who said, How shall I flee from this horrible cow? I will sit on this stile and continue to smile, which may soften the heart of that cow. There was a young lady of Troy whom several large flies did annoy. Some she killed with a thump, some she drowned at the pump, and some she took with her to Troy. There was an old man in a tree, who was horribly bored by a bee. When they said, Does it buzz? he replied, Yes, it does. It's a regular brute of a bee. There was a young lady of Hull, who was chased by a virulent bull. But she seized on a spade and called out, Who's afraid? which distracted that virulent bull. There was an old person of Dutton, whose head was as small as a button. So to make it look big he purchased a wig and rapidly rushed about Dutton. There was a young lady whose chin resembled the point of a pin. So she had it made sharp, and purchased a harp, and played several tunes with her chin. There was an old man who said, Hush! I perceive a young bird in this bush. When they said, Is it small? He replied, Not at all. It is four times as big as the bush. There was a young lady of Russia, who screamed so that no one could hush her. Her screams were extreme, no one heard such a scream as was screamed by that lady of Russia. 
There was a young lady of Portugal whose ideas were exceedingly nautical. She climbed up a tree to examine the sea, but declared she would never leave Portugal. There was a young lady of Tyre who swept the loud chords of a lyre. At the sound of each sweep she enraptured the deep and enchanted the city of Tyre. There was an old person of Ischia whose conduct grew friskier and friskier. He danced hornpipes and jigs and ate thousands of figs, that lively old person of Ischia. There was an old person of Bangor, whose face was distorted with anger. He tore off his boots and subsided on roots, that borisable person of Bangor. There was an old man of Vienna, who lived upon tincture of senna. When that did not agree, he took chamomile tea, that nasty old man of Vienna. There was an old man of the East who gave all his children a feast, but they all ate so much, and their conduct was such, that it killed that old man of the East. There was an old man in a boat who said, I'm afloat, I'm afloat. When they said, No, you ain't, he was ready to faint, that unhappy old man in a boat. There was an old man of the coast, who placidly sat on a post, but when it was cold he relinquished his hold, and called for some hot buttered toast. There was an old man of Kamshatkar, who possessed a remarkably fat cur. His gait and his waddle were held as a model to all the fat dogs in Kamshatkar. There was an old man of Moldavia who had the most curious behavior, for while he was able he slept on a table, that funny old man of Moldavia. End of Nonsense Limericks by Lear Chapter 12 of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear this LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yet more nonsense limericks by Lear. There was a young person of Bantry who frequently slept in the pantry. When disturbed by the mice, she appeased them with rice, that judicious young person of Bantry. There was an old man at a junction whose feelings were wrung with compunction. When they said, The train's gone, he exclaimed, How forlorn! but remained on the rails of the junction. There was an old man of Ibream who suddenly threatened to scream, but they said, If you do, we will thump you quite blue, you disgusting old man of Ibream. There was an old person of mighty who purchased five hundred and ninety large apples and pears, which he threw unawares at the heads of the people of mighty. There was an old person of wilts who constantly walked upon stilts. He wreathed them with lilies and daffy-down-dillies, that elegant person of wilts. There was an old man of Thermopylae who never did anything properly, 
but they said if you choose to boil eggs in your shoes, you shall never remain in Thermopylae. There was an old person of Grange whose manners were scrubious and strange. He sailed to St. Blub in a waterproof tub, that aquatic old person of Grange. There was an old person of Deal who in walking used only his heel. When they said, Tell us why, he made no reply, that mysterious old person of Deal. There was an old person of Newry whose manners were tinctured with fury. He tore all the rugs and broke all the jugs within twenty miles' distance of Newry. There was an old man on the Humber who dined on a cake of burnt umber. When he said, It's enough, they only said, Stuff, you amazing old man on the Humber. There was an old man of Dumblane who greatly resembled a crane, but they said, Is it wrong, since your legs are so long, to request you won't stay in Dumblane? There was an old man in a barge, whose nose was exceedingly large, but in fishing by night it supported a light which helped that old man in a barge. There was an old man of Port Gregor, whose actions were noted for vigor. He stood on his head till his waistcoat turned red, that eclectic old man of Port Gregor. There was an old man of Dunrose, a parrot seized hold of his nose. When he grew melancholy, they said, His name's Polly, which soothed that old man of Dunrose. There was an old man of Elhums who lived upon nothing but crumbs, which he picked off the ground with the other birds round, in the roads and the lanes of Elhums. There was an old man of Toulouse who purchased a new pair of shoes. When they asked, Are they pleasant? he said, Not at present, that turbid old man of Toulouse. There was an old man of West Dumpet who possessed a large nose like a trumpet. When he blew it aloud it astonished the crowd and was heard through the hold of West Dumpet. There was an old person of Brie who frequented the depths of the sea. She nursed the small fishes and washed all the dishes, and swam back again into Brie. There was an old person of Sark who made an unpleasant remark, but they said, Don't you see what a brute you must be, you obnoxious old person of Sark? There was an old person of Bromley, whose ways were not cheerful or comely. He sat in the dust, eating spiders and crust, that unpleasant old person of Bromley. There was an old man whose despair induced him to purchase a hare, whereupon one fine day he rode wholly away, which partly assuaged his despair. There was an old person of Shields who frequented the valleys and fields. All the mice and the cats and the snakes and the rats followed after that person of Shields. 
There was an old person of Barnes, whose garments were covered with darns, but they said, Without doubt you will soon wear them out, you luminous person of Barnes. End of Yet More Nonsense Limericks by Lear End of Nonsense Verses by Edward Lear